Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back to Murder and Mimosas. I'm Danica. And I'm Shannon. Shannon, do you remember doing our first local trivia event we hosted? There was a trivia question about an animal that vomited up a severed arm and that led to a murder investigation. Yes, it was a shark of some kind, right? Yes, you remembered. This is actually the case we're going to talk about today. It's technically unsolved, which I know we don't normally do, but we will get into that. It all started in April of 1935 in Sydney, Australia. Brent Hobson was a fisherman who was fishing off Koji Beach, which had calm waters. He got a bite on his line and he was hoping for a big catch. He was not expecting to have caught a 14-foot tiger shark. Brent considered releasing the shark back into the water, but instead decided to take it to the Coogee Aquarium owned by his brother, Charles Hobson. I will say that in researching this, some people said that Brent Hobson was Charles's son and others say it was his brother, but it makes more sense to me that it would be his brother. Charles, the brother who owned the aquarium, saw a cash cow for the aquarium, especially since the place had been suffering financially with it being the depression and all. Just a week after arriving at the shark's new home at Koji Aquarium, it began to act kind of strange. It had like a decreased appetite, very little energy, kind of fatigue and sluggish, started bumping into the walls and even sinking to the floor of its tank. Was it just having a hard time adjusting or what was going on? Well, Charles Hobson was definitely concerned about this possibility, among others. Maybe it was sick. He wasn't really sure. However, the tiger shark would soon reveal the cause of his very peculiar changed behavior. The tiger shark, in front of many people, it was a crowded weekend, started to thrash around violently and vomited up all the contents of its stomach. As it began to calm back down and the water settled, so did a human arm floating in the tank. To say the crowd at the aquarium was shocked is an understatement. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what they thought, but I mean... I would be there. I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is cool. (laughs) Well, many believed it was just another shark attack that had turned deadly, as there had been a string of shark attacks that year along the southeast coast. This was long before Jaws, but people still feared sharks. This was just more evidence to everyone of how scary and fatal sharks could be. Police were called to fish the arm out of the tank. Not a job I would want that day. Detectives first thought what others thought. This was just a case of a swimmer who was attacked by a shark. However, there was no reports of an event. Nobody was missing. Nobody had seen anything like this happen. Then they thought maybe a suicide victim had jumped to their death and then became a meal for the shark. 
But the problem was still that nobody had reported anyone missing like that. What would be truly shocking to those that witnessed the arm that day and to detectives is what the truth actually was behind the arm in the tiger's stomach. A coroner took a look at the arm and concluded that the arm was not, in fact, bitten off. So what made the coroner come to that conclusion? I guess, well, go ahead. I'll let you answer. (laughs) The arm had a clean slice of a knife. That could not be accomplished by the bite of a shark. That's what I was going to ask. Oh, look at you, Miss Detective. The tiger shark was more an accessory after a fact, said the murder. The problem was the shark could not testify to the events that surrounded how he ended up with this arm in his stomach. The detectives did catch a break on two fronts, though, with identifying the unfortunate victim whose arm was vomited up in front of many. Through fingerprints and a distinctive boxing tattoo on the arm, the police found the arm belonged to James Jimmy Smith. You said distinctive. Just out of curiosity, what the tattoo look like? It was two boxers facing each other, fists up, ready for a fight. Edwin Smith, Jimmy's brother, confirmed that the arm belonged to his brother. That's when the investigation truly began. Edwin went to the police about the arm Jimmy had already been missing for a few weeks. What a crazy experience for Edwin. He probably thought his brother was just ignoring him and come to find out all of this. I mean, did they have any suspects or who they thought might have murdered Jimmy? Well, I found a local newspaper that provided some information about Jimmy after it was discovered that it was, in fact, his arm. It said that Jimmy had been in a lightweight boxer, which explains the tattoo, and he managed a billiards or a pool hall. It said billiards then, but I think we tend to call them pool halls now. The newspaper mentioned that Jimmy seemingly had no enemies. However, this isn't quite what Jimmy's brother Edward had thought. While Jimmy had a failed boxing career and did, at the time of his death, run the billiards saloon, Edward felt Jimmy may have made some enemies along the way. After washing up in his boxing career, Jimmy worked some odd jobs in and around Sydney. One of these odd jobs led him to working for Reginald Holmes, who had a well-to-do boat building business. But Reginald was no stranger to the crime world. Reginald headed up many scams, schemes, drug running, and the like. I won't go through all of them, but I'll touch on a few just to kind of get an idea of what kind of man Holmes was. He would use his speedboats to pass drugs to ships in sell them to the city. It was usually cocaine. He was mixed up in forgery and insurance scams, many that Jimmy was involved in, along with an ex-serviceman, but also an ex-convict named Patrick Brady, for part of the money, of course. There was one fairly infamous scam that Jimmy was recruited for by Holmes. Holmes had this huge overinsured yacht called the Pathfinder, and he wanted Jimmy to take it out and to sink it. This was this was one of their insurance schemes, I'm guessing? It was. It was found out later that Jimmy had become a possible police informant on the scheme. He told the police that the sinking of the yacht was, quote, suspicious. Of course, they tell this to the insurance, and it meant Holmes did not get his payout. As you can imagine, Holmes was not happy about this at all. Holmes does not seem like the type of man you want to make into an enemy. 
I would agree. And I think maybe Edward, Jimmy's brother, was a little more on point with the enemies than the newspaper who said he seemingly had none. Seemingly, he had one very powerful one. And of course, after all of this, the two have falling out of sorts. It's also suspected that Jimmy may have been blackmailing Holmes as well, just adding oil to an already very big fire. Now, the next part is what gets a bit unclear. There are basically two different stories. It's a little bit of a he said, he said scenario. But I think at the end, one of these people's stories might seem a little bit more credible than the others. We're going to leave it up to you guys to decide. I'm going to tell you Holmes' version of events first. Holmes claims, much like Jimmy, he is a victim as well. Patrick Brady, remember, was the ex-convict and ex-serviceman that also was pulled in by Holmes to help on some of these scams. He had shown up at Holmes' home. Holmes' (laughs) home. The home of Holmes. Late one night with Jimmy Smith's arm and explained to him how he had killed Jimmy. Patrick then allegedly demanded Holmes pay him $500. Remember, this is the mid-30s, so $500 was still a decent amount of money, though. I feel like I'd be asking for more. However, Patrick... He's the depression, though. Yeah, but he's running all sorts of... He still has a well-to-do boat business, a drug smuggling ring, or a drug cartel, essentially, and lots of insurance scams. However, Patrick's story is a bit different. Patrick would tell it that he was following the order of Holmes. Patrick had invited Jimmy out April 7th to go drinking and do some card games at the Cecil Hotel. Once they left the hotel, the two went back to a cottage that Patrick had rented. It's pretty close to the hotel. It's believed that this was where Jimmy was murdered. Brady did not do well with covering these tracks. He hailed a taxi from the cottage straight to Holmes' home, to his house. The police were able to identify the taxi driver who confirmed not only the address of the cottage, but the address of which Holmes lived. They were able to confirm who the passenger was, which was in fact Patrick, and described said passenger as disheveled. And the driver also claimed that Patrick was clearly hiding something under his jacket. Patrick brought Holmes the arm as proof of finishing the job that, you know, he had done what Holmes had asked him to, and to obviously collect payment. Of course, Holmes wanted nothing to do with the arm, so he tossed it into the ocean. It was not long after Patrick's arrest that Holmes went out on one of his speedboats with some brandy and a handgun. He got very drunk and then tried to shoot himself. However, likely due to the amount of alcohol he had taken or consumed, the bullet knocked him off the boat and into the water, but it did not kill him. It is miraculous that he didn't die from the bullet or from drowning, as a matter of fact. Yeah, he got lucky. Holmes got back on his boat and began driving around erratically. Police were able to catch him and arrest him. After this arrest is when Holmes agreed to be a witness at the inquest against Patrick for Jimmy's death. June 12th is when the inquest was set to begin. However, that day, Holmes was found dead in his car. Did he decide to kill himself again and actually do it this time or what? Well, that is unlikely since Holmes had three gunshot wounds to the chest and no gun in the car. 
There is some speculation that after the failed suicide attempts, Holm hired a hitman to do the job for him and some kind of suicide, you know, paid off thing. However, which also, by the way, like made me think a little bit about the Murdoch case. <laughs> However, people believe it's more likely that Brady had ordered a hit to keep Holmes from being a witness at the inquest. Without Holmes, they only have an arm, which does not on its own prove murder. Without the star witness, Holmes, the case against Patrick was in shambles. Patrick was set free. Nobody was ever officially charged with his death and technically making the case still unsolved to this day. So what happened to Patrick? Well, Patrick died in 1965 at the age of 76, always denying involvement in the death of Jimmy Smith or Reginald Holmes. There was one other fatality we've not discussed, and that was the tiger shark. Did the tiger shark die from some sort of illness caused by the arm? Not quite. Um, So after vomiting up the arm, the shark was actually removed from the aquarium. He was killed, and it was cut open. They essentially did a form of an autopsy on the shark in hopes that maybe there would be more body parts which ended up being a total waste because the only thing was the arm which they already had. It's one of these times that the truth is stranger than fiction. To think that so many specific things had to align for this case to come to light, much less to unravel in the way that it did. That's true. Okay. At any point, are we singing Baby Shark? Because that's all I can think of. No, we're not (laughs) singing Baby Shark. But my question to you is, do you think that, we, obviously we know Patrick did it, right? But do we think he did it at home's request? Or do we think he did it to, like, prove his loyalty and use it to extort Holmes? I think it was extortion, but I don't know. I just... I think Holmes ordered the hit. But then the next question is, do you think that Holmes ordered a hitman to kill him? Or do you think... Brady put out the hit on Holmes. I think Brady did it. I mean. Yeah, I think Brady put the hit out on Holmes. I I just can't even imagine asking somebody to kill you. I mean, how do you get the money after after they've killed you? I guess you just have to pay them up front and then hope they kill you. (laughs) All of it just seems kind of odd. Yeah, no, I do think that Brady put the hit out on Holmes. But I think that Holmes ordered Brady to kill Jimmy Smith because Patrick Brady and Jimmy Smith were kind of just like, you know, yes men of Holmes. So I could see him Mm -hmm. telling Brady to do it. That's true. But I think it's a very interesting case. And I think the part that blows my mind the most is like that tiger shark had to be the one that swallowed the arm and then had to be caught and then had to be put in like the aquarium for any of that, because he had it been in the ocean and it like just coughed it up or vomited it up, this very much may not have been ever found, you know. That's true. But the fact that it was an in aquarium and so many people saw it because it was like Memorial Day weekend, I think so it was like very busy that weekend. Everybody was coming to see the new tiger shark. Um, that's crazy. Though I still, I know the tiger shark didn't kill him, but I would not want to be the police. I had to like mm. go in and finish out There's an arm. no way I would have ever thought that was a real arm, though. I'd be like, this isn't Halloween. <laughs> but 
but they did. People, I guess, but I mean, in 1935, they probably didn't have very good fakes. I don't know. <clears throat> well, I don't know what happened, but I loved that this came. I wanted to know, and people had asked after the trigger event more about this, like, how did this happen? And I was like, I really don't know. This is a great way for us to do a case about it because I want to know. And the more I learned, the more I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I cannot believe that this really happened and that this isn't a bigger thing that nobody, like, I'd never heard of it. So, super cool. Yeah. So, give us your thoughts. Yeah, we want to know who you think, how you think it went down. Holmes versus Brady. We're going to do a boxing ring picture for this. <laughs> Holmes versus Brady. Who Who did it? We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers. If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com. And lastly, we are on Facebook at Murder and Mimosas Podcast, where you can interact with us there. We love any type of feedback you can give us, so please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.